2: My therapist told me the way to achieve true inner peace is to finish what I start and so far today I have finished two bags of M&Ms and a chocolate cake I feel better already I got that sunshine in my pocket got that good soul in my feet feel that hot blood in my body when it drops It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton food schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. What a show we have, actually. We're going to talk about this stuff going around about kale that is so interesting. How do you make it soft? Why should you? We're going to get into that. There is a a wild thing happening in Paris where people are setting up beehives on all the great classic structures all over Paris and making honey that way. So we're going to get into that. Alex Provence is in the southwest. He's in Phoenix, and he's going to talk to us about what to do with cauliflower on the grill or roasting it in your oven. He's got this incredible recipe. It's kind of a Mexican treatment. And then we're going to talk with the author of Pretty Simple Cooking. So anybody who feels like I can't do anything crazy, but I want real food, this is for you. We're in our culinary studio at the Big G Gateway Community College. We have the use of five professional kitchens they use in their culinary education programs. I'm with my food buddies, Chris Brosberry of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut. Senior producer Robin doyen Aiken, Alex Province joining us from our sister station, Public Radio KJZZ. Hey everybody!
3: Hey, hey Faith. Faith. Hey, Faith.
2: <laughs> to have you on the show? Should we start with the bees? Isn't this
0: crazy? That's a great story. No,
2: so this was in the New York <laughs> nice Times. Alex. I want to give them full <laughs> credit. Honestly, from the Luxembourg Gardens all the way to Notre Dame Cathedral, and everything in between, the great places have set up with the permission, obviously, of the Parisian government. All these hives. And there are beekeepers and classes. Luxembourg Gardens has set up these fully subscribed to classes and how to do bees. The Times says that there are 200 people graduating every year. They just keep teaching and making honey. And it's so thrilling. Can you imagine going to Paris and going to you know, one of the great places in saying, and I brought you back a jar of honey from wow. there. You ah. know, this is a living piece of Paris. That's so cool. I, I think it's the most amazing More thing. More
0: city should copy it because it's a great yeah. idea.
1: I'd love to taste the honey, right? Yeah, me day. too. R-
0: Real Parisian honey.
2: <laughs> and it all has to do with the flowers that these mm-hmm. bees feed on. That
0: are all over Paris, right?
2: Well, I don't know. When you're on a rooftop, mm. where do they go first? And then finally they come to a hive. So it's very – it's kind of fascinating. It raises questions for me about do people with, say, allergies who claim that a little bit of honey from a local area will help Mm -hmm. reduce in some way the severity of your allergies. I don't know if that's true. But they buy local honey on purpose. I yeah. mean the Luxembourg Gardens. Can you imagine yeah. having honey from the oh bees in that garden?
1: I I can't, I can't and, even believe it. And bees need all the help mm-hmm. they can get, actually, right? So That's they're true. I, I know they're having some issues. So it's a great idea.
2: Alex, is there a, a whole honey local honey thing where you are in Phoenix, Arizona?
1: Oh my gosh! Is there surprisingly the desert just blooms, especially after these rains we get and. All the bushes are humming with bees. And if you drive along like North Scottsdale Road, there's all these, you know, a major artery here in Phoenix. You'll get uh, all these beekeepers selling raw Arizona honey and it's mesquite flavored. And I've actually been using the mesquite in some of my barbecue sauce trying to infuse more mesquite flavor. You know, I eat it with a spoon out of the jar just to taste. I, I <laughs> just too. love honey. you <laughs> got to bring us so. some. Yeah, I will.
2: <laughs> it really is why well, have a whole dessert. You might as well just have a tablespoon of honey and just be done it's with cute. it, right? Oh, I'll I'll put it, it on you. your dessert like a, an ice cream sauce. <laughs> 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 why not? Exactly.
1: Are, does anyone do peanut butter sandwiches with honey? And then if you, if you let it sit for a little bit, the um, honey crystallizes inside the bread. Am I the only one who does this? I think you're the only no, one, but it really sounds great. pretty good. <laughs> oh, you're missing out. So good. So
2: in a previous show, it would have been bananas would have been in there somewhere, right? When mm. we did the Elvis grilled cheese. Oh, that's good. <laughs> we have a letter from a man who was for so many years, at least 15, maybe 20, mm-hmm. our vet on the air, Dr. Todd Friedland, who lives in North Windham, Connecticut. And he wrote to me and said, Faith... I'm doing this amazing thing with zucchini, and we live in a world now where you can get zucchini all the time. So you're probably still getting it from either your garden Uh, or somewhere (laughs) in the world. Here's what he does. Chris, help me with this. Mm -hmm. He slices the zucchini. He uses smaller ones, you know, about six inches or so, and washes them. And then he slices them from the end that doesn't have the stem all the way to the stem end. But he doesn't go through when he's done slicing, it fans out.
0: Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he does quarter-inch slices, and then you just sort of put a little weight on it, so and he it'll starts fan from the t- out.
2: He starts from the top.
0: Yeah, and goes right down
2: to the. But he doesn't
0: go all, all the, way the way through the no. stem. Yep. And then what he does is he leaves that attached there and then he pushes on it and it fans out.
2: Mm.
0: Right? And then the next part is what I love the best. So,
2: so just a little salt and pepper. Yeah. Then he says, I microwave them for just a short time. I wish he said how long. To, just to start them cooking. Yeah, what are you guessing? What and, you, oh, 30, 30 seconds, 30 a seconds, minute?
0: Because No, not 30? even a minute. 30 seconds. But you just want to soften them so they become a little more pliable because if you don't, they'll break. Okay. Right?
2: He said, then – I make my homemade cornbread stuffing, which you could do at home, or a stuffing mix. It doesn't matter. And then I fan out the zucchini and I cover them with a stuffing mix, he puts them in either a, a glass roasting dish or whatever you have into a three fifty oven until that top becomes crusty. And, and then mm. when it's on the plate, he's you know, takes yeah. a spatula, puts it on the plate, a drizzle of butter or olive <sighs> oil or maybe olive- all <laughs> And yeah. he says, it's amazing.
0: Yep. It's like stuffed wow. squash that you don't have to like uh, scoop out. Boat. We don't and do the boats. boats. And I mean, that's it's messy in yeah. a lot of work. This is just boom, put it in the microwave, soften it a little bit, put your stuffing on it and bake it.
1: The stuffing probably changes the texture for people who don't like zucchini because it's too mushy. Mm-hmm. Like I think it gives it a little more – it's a little more toothsome, right? Yep. A little, a little more – Crunchy. Dryer. So, yeah, the, crunchy. so
2: the difference is that if you're making zucchini boats, you pull out that seedy center. Yeah, you
0: sort of pull it with a spoon, right? Dig and it out.
2: So that it's less moist and mm. the, some people don't like the wet texture of that mm-hmm. seedy stuff in zucchini. They just think this is boring. So I wonder about this. If the seeds are still in there, I guess it, none of it matters because you're in it for the crust. Oh,
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a vessel to, to eat stuff in. No. Totally. Like There's nothing to do I with the zucchini anymore. Uh, so, you, because who's going to just. Again. Yeah, because if you could get away with just baking some stuffing and eating it, you would. But you need something a little healthy and a little more fancy to go with it. So, you do the zucchini thing, but it's all about stuff.
2: Well, we're talking yeah. vegetable talk now. Yeah. And I was challenging Alex to try something because. He had some leftover corn and was doing a kind of Mexican street corn thing again. And I said, Alex, we pretty much don't have corn at this point. Is there a way that you could do that kind of Mexican street corn approach to another vegetable that's in season? And Alex chose
1: cauliflower it's so easy so this sauce um, essentially that makes mexican corn mexican corn is just one part mayonnaise to mexican crema which is that mexican sour cream right and you add this cheese called cotijo cheese it's almost like feta or parmesan mix these together and you have this white sauce that you can pretty much smear on any vegetable but we took cauliflower pulled the leaves off rinsed it and then cut it lengthwise from the top to the core So you cut it in half. In half. Careful to cut it through the core so the florets don't break apart. And then we took each half and we cut it again. So now you just had four big chunky quarters. Brought that to the grill and we slowly roasted it over medium heat just until it started to look soft and appetizing and, you know, gorgeously roasted. Did it cook all the way through? So we roasted it for maybe 20 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Just until it's cooked through and it's nice and charred. When my wine was done, it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. So we re- <laughs> then we take this sauce and essentially you just want to lightly coat it. And I cooked it again for another minute or so on the grill. Just to until do what? It
2: what did that do? It just, just warms up the sauce faith and makes it, it a little... Does it give it a little brown thing on, co- yeah. on the outside? Oh. Yeah, a little color. Wow.
1: And then I just sprinkled more crumbled cotijo cheese, <laughs> finely chopped cilantro on top, if you like cilantro, and then Chris, we use the tahini. I know you, not it. everyone can get it, but if you can't, is that stuff Chris loves. It comes in lime. a little container. It's lime, lime zest right? and salt. salt. Yep.
2: You could just use lime zest.
0: Yeah, a little lime zest yeah. and some salt,
1: yep. or squeeze it just fresh lime. Yeah. Sure. So let and, me uh, let me
2: ask you how to make this if you don't have. In my supermarket, I have that Mexican crema in the international aisle. But if you don't have that, what could you use? I use
0: sour cream. I mean I have a friend that uses sour cream that they put in a a little strainer and let it dry a little bit, like a very Mm -hmm. fine mesh strainer so it gets thicker. But I don't bother. I just use regular sour cream.
2: Okay, I or think it's close could enough. you even use yogurt? Yogurt's yogurt? a little
0: thinner, but yeah, yeah, if you had a thick a Greek yogurt, maybe drain it yeah, a little, it a little more, just mm. like that. Just add a little maybe lemon juice
1: or lime juice to it because it has a little zip. If you use yogurt, you wouldn't have to. And then instead of the cotijo cheese, which is crumbly and delicious, Faith, I know you love feta, so that would perfectly work. Uh, I
0: totally use feta because it's. Zingy. I was going to
2: use Parmigiano Reggiano. Yeah,
0: sure, but the cool thing about feta is it has that little zing to it.
2: When you think about it, you could use almost. I mean, in a very interesting combination of things my mind was racing this isn't about improving on a recipe it's like oh i like cauliflower and anchovies so what mm-hmm. happens if instead uh-huh. of mayonnaise i used olive oil and melt the anchovies and maybe mm-hmm. get some capers and do just what alex did with either cutting steaks or the quarters and on the grill brush it with all my stuff and then when it's completely done Dump the rest of the sauce on top of the cauliflower steaks Uh and, I don't know, maybe a grating of Parmigiano-Reggiano or something like that. As you're listening, this is how recipes happen. Pick your stuff that you love. I think Alex did a great job on this one, though. I, I would do
0: a little sriracha in the mayonnaise too, right? Do the same sauce, like the sour cream oh, or, and good. that, and then just give it a good squeeze of sriracha, that spicy uh, Thai s- hot sauce. Fun. Ooh, that's good.
1: Okay. We, so- we did add a little ancho chili powder, or you can add the you milder go. chili powder. Add a little heat to or it. Or Spanish paprika, just to give a little red color.
2: Mm, or any paprika, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm biased. Spanish <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <Yeah. laughs> I'm actually cut off from using Spanish paprika at home because I Matt's like you many can't things. turn everything into Spanish. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a time out. how come the
0: sushi has red in it? <laughs>
2: Why do the parking lot cookies have red in them? Yeah. Uh, okay. Also wanted to say, although this is going from vegetables to fruit. <laughs> I'm going to come back to vegetables later because there's a whole kind of kale controversy. <laughs> um, don't forget that you're just seeing, starting to see the apples in all these places and all these kinds, and they're bringing back all these heirloom mm-hmm. apples. And don't forget that you can coat an apple. You can slice an apple right across, then just cut out the core and, so that it looks like a donut, and you can brush it with stuff. And grill it on the grill, mm, cinnamon and sugar. a oh, little, that's good. Uh, you know, scoop of ice cream mm. on top of that. You know, maybe you want to do a whole little stack of them, mm-hmm. and oh, really good. You can do a lot Love of stuff with apples. apples on the grill. Oh yeah, and, and the
3: Honeycrisp apples are especially big. I know they're expensive, yeah. but if you were going to be serving this as a dessert, <laughs> it might be worth the splurge <laughs> yeah. um, and, to get the Honeycrisp, and then you know. Honey, yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. established that we love honey. <laughs> honey. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking uh, grilled honey crisp slices with a scoop of vanilla ice cream, mm-hmm. honey over that, a little cinnamon on mm-hmm. top of that. It's
2: maybe just... some nuts, little walnuts. Oh, Pretend it's an apple pie. I don't yeah. know. I'm thinking
1: the honey goes into a little bourbon, make a little oh, uh, sauce. Yep. that's we'll the food way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, plus the New York Times said the delicious apple which used to be the most popular type of apple in the world, has been upstaged by these underlings. So the Honeycrisp, the Gala, and all the others that that are even entering the heirloom territory. You know, we're not even into heirloom kinds yet, you know, but... Uh, no more deli- it's not delicious. The thi- it's not a thing. Oh. It's not a- I still love a red, red, or red or delicious. So I. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah. You delicious. can love it. I'm yeah. just saying popularity. It's very interesting what goes on. I
0: always like the shape of the red delicious.
2: People, they yeah. said people like, like the, the sweetness apple. in a lot of other apples. Just yeah. not crazy sweet, mm-hmm. just a hit of sweet mm-hmm. where as the delicious – delicious, though. It may be, Mm -hmm. you know, it has a little bit of less sugar. Coming up, we want to talk about how to make kale soft so that it's even more delicious than it is. People are using every technique imaginable. We're going to get to that. And later, we have Pretty Simple Cooking, the cookbook. If you're someone who just wants good food, wholesome food, so that it's good for your body and good for your taste buds, we have a book for you. More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to feed the hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and of course, we'll be right back.
0: You be my salt and sweet. Say the colour
2: I'm Faith Middleton. You can sign up for our free podcast copy of the show that arrives in your inbox every single week, and you have a little archive library there. You can go back to it if you want. Go to our website one time, foodschmooze.org. I hope you want to go a lot of times because we're spending, all of us are spending a lot of time putting stuff there. But just to sign up for the podcast one time, and you enter some basic data and you're off and running. I with my treasured food buddies, Chris Brusberry, chef and co owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province, who is at our sister public radio station, KJZZ, in Phoenix, Arizona, Robin Doyen Aiken is our senior producer. You're going to think, oh, really, here's the point where I shut off the radio because they're going to talk about kale. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a very popular thing. There is, a, believe it or not, Kind of controversy about kale. And if you go into certain, I think, high end restaurants, you'll see something on the menu sometimes that says, quote unquote, massaged kale. The first time I saw this, I just roared with laughter. I thought, seriously? This is like yeah, massaged cows? What's coming next? Well, it turns out that this is actually a scientifically legitimate thing. And Chris, can you tell us why? If you massage a kale leaf, what happens it to it? It breaks
0: the cells that makes it a little softer to eat on your palate. So.
2: Because if you eat kale, kind of it's scratchy. In your it's mouth. a little scratchy. Raw it's kind of right? tough. Raw kale. Raw kale. Yep. It's kind of tough. This yeah. is why people cooked it through the years. And like we said before,
0: uh, I think Alex and I are in the camp of cooking only. Me too. (laughs) I I don't think I know better than
2: the raw-liking people, but that's how I like it. Okay, so here's the thing. Cooks Illustrated did this tip that we had mentioned before where they did a food processor and they had a paddle attachment. (laughs) And they put the dressing and the kale in there and it was massaging the leaves Here's what I did. I said, if I chop this kale really fine, will my knife edge massage this kale (laughs) enough to break the cell structure? I mean, I think that's an interesting scientific question. So I was dicing it like crazy. And I sprinkled it in the tacos. And then I had it in a salad with baby romaine. And I was doing a whole thing. I think basically, no. It didn't do anything to scratchy, the cell structure. right? It gets
0: scratchy in your well, mouth. I don't know. It just Tough.
2: wasn't enjoyable. Yep. Now, I realized when I've had raw kale in the past, it was because I had dried cherries, nuts, <laughs> and a beautiful lime ish dressing.
0: Sure, that and can break it down. Parmigiano a bit,
2: Reggiano. Too. It was so fabulous. Basically, I was tasting all the other things, I think. It's not that I dislike kale. It's just this is my preference. I don't care
0: what anybody else does. Yeah, but now remember, kale is still really healthy. And this is what I always fall back to. Yeah, and I say to you, how do you know that? Because I do these cooking demos and I feed people when I do these at blood drives in Farmington where they have the Red Cross when they do their big blood drives there. And the doctors and the nurses and they all say, if you're going to do something, let's do kale because it's high in iron and it's high in vitamins. And when you give blood, that's what your body Really Fiber. needs to, yeah. But iron is one of the things you need. They give you orange juice because you need vitamins too. But kale gives you that and iron. You need that sugar help, right? and you need sugar, and they just helps you replenish the blood that you just gave. Mm-hmm. They should
2: so give
1: you
0: an ice cream bar. Yeah.
1: So, but it's so bottom line, <laughs> kale is good for you. So if you can eat it raw or cooked, yeah. that's great. Not to get too technical, but the cell wall is indigestible for human beings because we can't digest cellulose. So all the nutrients are stuck inside that cell. So by breaking the cells open, you're actually releasing all the nutrients on the inside, which makes it more nutritious for us because we can actually absorb it it. into our bodies. Mm. And that's what cooking does for it too.
0: I just think it's a little – but it's an extra step. That's the thing. I know we talked about the mixer, but I, I keep my mixer in a cabinet underneath the counter. And taking the mixer out, that's a project. So,
1: What I'm about gonna... putting it in a slow cooker, Chris? You have oh, those totally. Out. I have three Just on my layering counter layering inside now. and so putting some broth inside.
2: That cabinet, as far as I'm concerned, is a time capsule. Mm-hmm. And someday <laughs> someone going <laughs> to Which is why you've got it. a knife
1: instead
0: of your KitchenAid.
2: <laughs> they're going to open it mm-hmm. in some future time, and they'll say, what is that? Oh, they're you know, my car keys. You know, this unused <laughs> Brand new kitchen aid that, that you got. <laughs> oh my god! It's, it was a fortune, and I'm yeah. okay. So we really need to have a nutritionist on the show. To tell us who, about camp. I'm not interested in being lectured about what tastes good because that's so individual, and mm. we now know why. I'm interested in knowing how things really, truly affect the body in not just some tiny segment of the population, but where the numbers show. Where iron gets replenished yeah. in the blood Vitamins from that food, yeah, sure. what does it?
0: You get my a craving d- for it, though, don't you? When you're low in iron, don't you get a your craving Your body for tells me, you, right? Or, for sure. I, if you listen to your body closely, your body tells you pretty much everything you need.
1: Chris, your mom and dad taught you that, didn't they? Absolutely. That's a very European thing, and I still to this <laughs> day believe it. Because my mom taught me that, too. I was so I need say, a Reese's peanut butter cup. I know.
2: <laughs> my body speaks to me in the most amazing ways. <laughs> <race. laughs> Are you talking
0: to us? Uh, (laughs) Are you talking to me? uh, (laughs) Kale, really? (laughs) Yeah.
1: So who eats it raw?
2: A lot of it has to do with what grows in your region. And then we find out later that that's particularly healthy for people. You know, purslane, for the Greek culture and for the animals who feed on it, turns out to be a spectacular nutrient-rich thing. And so when people eat it, even through the meat, because the cattle and the goats mm-hmm. and everything are eating it, it's fabulous.
1: I like that idea of letting the pigs eat the kale and then eating the pigs. Much that better than eating kale. Works so. in Spain. <laughs> give, <laughs> the, give the pigs the raw
2: well, kale. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to let you know that um, in terms of being local, you see a lot of places doing Wine trails and other trails too, but especially wine trails and getting an identity for that. Now the North Fork of Long Island. Long Island has two forks for people who don't know. There's the South Fork. Many people know that as the Hampton side. And then there's the North Fork. And the North Fork, it's quieter. It's beautiful farmland. South Fork is beautiful too, but North Fork is beautiful farmland, oftentimes right up to the water. That's where the majority of vineyards are. Though on the South Fork, there's one particular vineyard that is spectacular and maybe one of the best anywhere in the United States, and that's Wolfer. Roman Roth is the winemaker, and he's a genius at what he does. Over on the North Fork, it's farms and wineries, and like Connecticut, they are coming along, and it's wonderful to see their progress. There's so many things on the North Fork that people are starting up there's somebody doing snails to distribute escargot to, and cool. to the restaurants yeah. and stuff like that. There are mushroom growers yeah. now. There are cheese makers yeah. just like in Connecticut. Yeah. And now they have started – people have come together in the North Fork and it's called North Fork Authentic. Wow. And this is a homegrown, unified regional brand of North Fork, Long Island – These are the growers, harvesters, producers, and makers, and they care about protecting the waterways and land and the watershed and all that stuff. So if you go to northforkauthentic.com, you will see all the products, and it includes oysters, and many people travel from Connecticut over there, and over there travels over here (laughs) because you just want to do a getaway. Both places, really spectacular. I love the traffic back and forth. Um, let's do some kitchen tips. I think again, Cook's illustrated Robin. This
3: tip is for our butter lovers, and mm. it has to do with storing what our tipster calls butter orphans. And that is the last oh. tablespoon or two, two mm. tablespoons usually, of butter left on the stick that no one has touched. And then someone went and opened a new stick of butter, and now everyone's using that I one. Know. What she does is she compiles all her little butter orphans in one recyclable container with a lid on it. And she leaves the wrapper on it, too. So when she needs two tablespoons of butter for something she's baking, she goes into her little container with all the orphans in it and grabs what she needs instead of letting that butter go to waste because no one's going to use the last couple of tablespoons.
2: Wow. So she has really clean butter in there. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, I don't even mean that as a joke. I mean that when there's corn on the cob, I will take a of a stick or half of a stick like a handle say, yeah and say this is my <laughs> corn butter and then i will rub it That's all over my cob and pass it over to the next That's so it's corn, in kind in of it. corn flavor yeah. and then when it gets down to a tiny thing i think i i don't know what to do with that and i throw it out is it i think it's probably not okay to put it in her little ice cream container right 'Cause it's flavored with corn. Mine has oh. the
1: the bagel crust on it, you know. The yeah, the little bread <laughs> crumbs. crumbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Th- that's why no one went for that last bit of butter. But yeah. you know, <laughs> just take it off and put it in yeah, your recipe. Who cares? Whatever the okay. debris is, just use it.
1: Debris. <laughs> <laughs> like Food that. memories. We should
2: sell debris yeah. butter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we could make a
3: fortune. And also one of the reasons she does this is (laughs) because she's keeping that butter away from all the fridge smells that might get in there since that butter has been around for a while. Yeah. Since somebody
2: started that thing with fridge smells, I don't keep a single item without a cover on it in my fridge. Me neither. I mean, not even a piece of watermelon because I think,
1: oh, no. It's gonna absorb they look so cool in the movies though <laughs> the old fashioned ice boxes, and you just take out a cake that's true,
2: <laughs> so um, there was a tip I'm trying to think where this comes from, and I can't, but the tip was about how lemon is usually the juice to squeeze on any piece of fish, and sometimes things like pork or lamb and this tip was about squeezing orange juice, fresh orange. On a piece of fish Ooh. because it somehow sweeter. Ma- yes, it. makes it more floral and beautiful, even more than lemon. I'm going to start trying this. Oh, that fresh squeeze of orange juice on a let's say, piece of halibut, let's mm-hmm. say, or even on shrimp. You know what I have this is what been doing? the Chinese do
0: you know what I have been doing lately though is when I have like lemons or limes or oranges and i don 't want to use them anymore they 're just a little on the going outside. I juice them all together because I oh. figure the juice is going to last a little longer than the fruit will. so I juice them all together and I put them in a little pint container in my refrigerator that 's one of the things I keep, and I just use them like I would use lemon or lime and it's just a mixture of whatever i, you know, have in my refrigerator. Chris,
1: that's how you make the best margarita. With, with the lemon the lime oranges. Yeah. And i yeah. and i have
0: i've made drinks with it. I've put it in a a splash in a cocktail. I've put it mm-hmm. in sauces. I've drizzled it even over a little pasta that i thought needed a little more zing. Juice is great seasoning for all kinds of things from like you said, from fish to drinks. Great
2: tip, Chris. Oh. Okay. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers for a free copy and delivery every week of the Fuchmus party and terrific food wine cocktail restaurant hot topics short fun streaming videos the whole works go online to fuchmus.org and i hope you'll stay close cuz we'll be right back faith middleton this is the food Schmooze party offering the richness of life and coming to you in connecticut rhode island massachusetts and new york including westchester county the east end of long island that means the hamptons of course the senior producer is robin doyan aiken and to hear the show on connecticut public radio it airs thursdays at three and nine and saturdays at noon podcasts and my curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.org. Well, a few pages into this cookbook, I found a quote from the late writer Wendell Berry, and he said, our kitchens and other eating places more and more resemble filling stations. We hurry through our meals to go to work and hurry through our work in order to recreate ourselves in the evenings and on weekends and vacations. That's pretty good, right? And Mm -hmm. I see why it fits this cookbook by our guest Sonia Overheiser. It's a vegetarian cookbook, Pretty Simple Cooking. And she co-authors the book with her husband, Alex Overheiser. They are home cooks, who did a cookbook, and they believe in making and eating real food good for the body and their taste buds. We're going to tell you how to make delicata squash fries, giant portobello burgers with caramelized onions, and an apple cherry cardamom crumble. These recipes and information about this cookbook are posted at our easy-to-find site, foodschmooze.org. Sonia Overheiser, you start out by telling readers. I love this phrase, face your fear.
4: Right. When I started cooking, I had absolutely no background in food at all. I had been eating fast and processed foods and didn't really leave any time for cooking in my life. So when I started adventuring in the kitchen, I had a lot of failures because I didn't have a lot of background or cook know-how. And one of my early inspirations was Julia Child. I read her cookbook, and she was so encouraging and said, you know what? You're going to fail in the kitchen, and that's okay. Just try again tomorrow. And so that kind of became my husband Alex and my mantra about getting in the kitchen is, you know what? There might be a failure, but that's okay. We can learn from the trial and error, and tomorrow we will try again.
2: Hmm. About this idea of failure, I experience this all the time when I'm trying something new or making up something. I can't tell you how I beat myself up.
0: Yeah, see, we don't even use the term failure in my kitchen. We say it's just learning. You learn more from making a mistake than you do when you make something and it comes out perfectly. You're so excited. I am still to this day that you don't really focus on what you did and how you did it. But boy, if something goes wrong, you focus on it. And so we use it as more. It's a learning experience, not a failure.
2: Can you imagine somebody like Chris failing and failing in the beginning? I could make
0: soup when I first started cooking. Now I don't even think about it. It's such an easy task. You just got to do it. And if you make a mistake, nine times out of ten, it's still edible. So you eat it and you move on. Sometimes a cookbook
2: is a teacher. That's a good thing to keep in mind. Isn't that why we go to them? I mean, I read them. I don't even sometimes cook from some of them. I just read them like fine literature. So, uh, Sonia Overheiser, Pretty Simple Cooking is your book. And let's get right to the food because I've been waxing poetic here as we go along. Everybody loves fries. So, this is delicata squash fries. Delicata squash is so delicious. It's a oh, squash so many people overlook. I'm telling you, it's almost in every market, mm-hmm. and it certainly is at every farm stand.
4: Delicata is one of our very favorite squashes, and we love that it cooks so quickly, and you don't have to peel it. You know how when you get a butternut, you spend 15 minutes trying to peel it to get it in the (laughs) oven? Well, with a Delicata squash, it's so easy to prepare. And the shape of it actually is basically made for fries. Because it's kind of a long, thin shape, almost like a summer squash or a zucchini, Uh, You can just cut it right in half, hollow it out, scoop out those seeds, and then cut it into thin slices, and they turn out as little half-moon shapes that are perfect for dipping like fries.
2: And really, you're roasting them.
4: Right. So we roast them in a very hot oven, and that's our favorite way to cook a lot of vegetables. On a
2: baking sheet, right? Baking sheet? Exactly.
4: We use a very hot oven at 450, mix those delicata squash slices with some olive oil and kosher salt, and then throw them in the oven, and they get a little bit browned and crispy, and then you can use them to dip in our
2: awesome sauce. Sure. The, the great sauce. thing about this recipe is these curlicues, these half moons <laughs> that Sonia has sliced. I just love having vegetables as a fry. I think oh, yeah. that is so <laughs> fantastic. And Alex, this sauce is a little Mexican in feel, so you're going to be interested oh, in this with your new southwestern cooking.
4: For this sauce, it is a creamy, delicious sauce. The base is sour cream, or you can use creme fraiche, which we actually have a recipe for DIY creme fraiche in this book. It's kind of like a science experiment. You barely have to do any work, but you sit out um, the ingredients on your counter, and it turns into creme fraiche. So you can use either that or sour cream, and then we mix it with Mexican hot sauce and some soy sauce, garlic powder, and dried dill. And it is just... All out delicious.
2: Yeah, so you can use soy sauce or tamari for people who have gluten-free issues. I just am crazy about this recipe, and it's at our site right now, foodschmooze.org. The next recipe I want to talk about is a giant portobello (laughs) burger. Let me tell you that these are plant-based. You know, it's just kind of like the new two words for vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I am frankly interested in plant-based stuff, that makes me feel like nothing is missing chris made one of your recipes sonia and i would never care that there was not meat in this recipe it was so huge and fabulous and filled with everything imaginable it was a burger that was so gigantic Tell us what and, happened, Chris. And we Chris. didn't
0: even talk about the fact that there was no meat in it, right? And I'm totally you know, satisfied. I didn't miss any bacon or anything. And you know me, I love my bacon.
2: mushrooms are a meaty. meaty flavor. Chris is oh, going to explain yeah. what he did to cook <laughs> it because Chris is both a chef and a home cook, and he does a column on home cooking for the Hartford Current with Linda Juca. So he really tries to figure out how do you do this simply as a home cook.
0: Easy recipe. So it has a, a bunch of components. So one is caramelized onions. Very simple to do. You slice up an onion, get some olive oil really hot in a pan. You sprinkle it, the onions with salt, throw them in there. Don't touch them and let them get caramelized. I mean, this, I mean, it all depends on how hot your pan I've made them in 15 minutes and I've made them in 25 minutes. So if your pan's really hot, it can go fast. If you haven't mm. made them before, start off a little slower and let them cook a little longer. But this can be done ahead of time. I keep these things in my refrigerator at home because I love putting them on sandwiches. So if you mm. make them ahead of time, mm. you can keep a pint of them at at hand at all times. So right. Okay. Don't
1: you keep them frozen too? Yeah, I you can. You, yeah, um, you put, put them in, in ice, little. Uh, yeah, you trays, put them
0: in right? little ice trays and you freeze them. And then, like I said, you no pop kidding. them out. Oh yeah, they freeze. We've never they, tried that. Oh, they That's freeze beautifully. This is like the tip of the century. Yeah, they freeze beautifully, <laughs> and then you can pull them out and anytime you're having a burger or a sandwich or even oh. you're making Bloody a Bloody Mary or a French bread pizza i use them on <laughs> late night chef meals right. <laughs> all right so all that's right. one component that can be done ahead of time and with the portobello mushrooms you just want to clean them off a little bit you know go through the gills a little bit i may scrape a little bit off but no take big take the deal. stem off take yep. the stem off and then garlic olive oil a little balsamic vinegar salt and pepper give it a little toss and then that goes on your grill And while that's grilling, I went and did my peppers. Yellow bell pepper and red bell pepper. But I put those on the grill first and let them get going. And then I cut up my peppers. And I threw them in the same bowl because there's that residual stuff in the bowl, the balsamic, the pepper, the salt, right, and the oil. I like to get them, like she said, a little bit on the charred side Mm. because, oh, my gosh, that gives such good flavor. Then I took them off, let them set there for a minute while I got a couple slices of smoked Gruyere cheese. Or gouda, whatever you have, avocado, slice of tomato, slice of red onion, and some arugula. I toasted my buns. Oh wait, I should say <laughs> one thing: while your portobello mushrooms are on the grill, just like you would a cheeseburger, you want to put your cheese on there and melt it just a little bit, so it oh, sits the on gruyere. top. The gruyere. so it sits on top of the portobello mushroom and gets nice and toasty. This is
2: a tall thing.
0: Oh my gosh. It,
2: when, well, when you
4: I wanted to hear how messy was it when you were oh, eating. Oh, so
0: crazy! We gave up. I'm totally okay with eating something like this with a knife and fork, bun and all. I just chopped it up into little pieces, and I just went to town like so, that and so loved
2: Sonya, it. So, Sonia, here's what happened to me. I was determined, while Chris,
0: I gave up way sooner, than and Robin.
2: <laughs> Who were like, eating with like a knife and fork. I, like, Alex, I was determined <laughs> that I was eating this as a sandwich. And I said, Nope, I'm doing mine as a sandwich. It was, there was juice down oh, my arm. So I had caramelized onions on my linen shirt. <laughs> I had um, food that didn't even hit the plate, it felt like went all over the table. <laughs> but it was but so, so good. fabulous. I swear you are not going to miss meat. And I am a meat freak. I love protein. So I just thought this was fantastic. Thank you, Sonia, so much.
4: Well, that just makes my day to hear because that's our whole philosophy, my husband Alex and I, whole philosophy around the recipes in the book. We wanted to create them to be satiating and to not miss the meat at all uh, without using a lot of the typical meat substitutes like tempeh or tofu. We want to just make vegetables taste so good that you don't even realize there isn't meat. And this has
2: so many other things in it that if you're someone who doesn't eat dairy, you could easily skip the cheese. And exactly. the everything. avocado really
4: adds some of that creaminess, oh, creaminess. that you would have yeah. from the cheese. You could also, I've heard of a lot of vegans using hummus in place for cheese, so you could even spread hummus on your bun to bring in kind of that savory, garlicky flavor. Great idea. Does anyone know?
2: Those yeast sprinkles that are supposed to taste like cheese, does that work? yeast. Yeah. yeah. Does We're that work?
4: That. I wouldn't necessarily put it on this one because it's pretty powdery. Oh. Um, we love using it on our popcorn. <laughs> oh, that Really? Can. Yeah, oh. I gotta try that—a little um, bit of okay. olive oil and some nutritional yeast. Yeah, so good. Okay, Sounds, tastes like cheesy popcorn. But yeah, we do use it in maybe sauces sometimes. If you're creating like a creamy vegan cheese type of sauce, you could throw a bit of those nutritional yeast flakes in there.
2: Sonia, before we get to the apple cherry cardamom crumble, which is a great thing for this time of year, can you tell me why you and your husband Alex? started doing this? Have you been health-oriented and connect food to health? Some people eat food as fuel. Other people think a lot about the health component, but they require a certain deliciousness. And then there are the full-blown hedonists who just are going for it no matter what. So what's your
4: story? Our background is that we mainly ate food for fuel, For most of our lives, we met in college, actually, we were college sweethearts, and we got married right out of college and bought a house and wanted to have people over for dinner. But at the time, I was eating a lot of frozen hot pockets, and we didn't have a repertoire of things we could actually serve to guests. And we picked up a Julia Child cookbook and just kind of fell in love with her personality and her just enthusiasm for cooking. And we started to just cook more and more. Hmm. And then we picked up another book at the time by Mark Bittman called Food Matters. Yeah. It's a similar philosophy to Michael Pollan's where it's just focusing on let's cook as much non-processed as possible and start to bring those veggies back into our diet and focus on just eating real food and eating a lot of vegetables and And so we said, let's go ahead and try it. We started with one meatless meal per week, and then we just found that we really enjoyed it. We loved the way we felt, um, and we didn't feel like anything was missing. Like you were saying earlier, we didn't feel like we were missing the meat. So to this day, we are not 100% vegetarian. We are flexitarian. So we Mm -hmm. do allow for some meat or fish in our diet. But mainly, we eat just a whole lot of vegetables. We love the health component of it. But we also love the community aspect of getting in the kitchen with our friends and our family and gathering around the table and enjoying food together. Hmm.
2: When I was looking at people, you know, this is part of what Robin and I do. We look at people who are endorsed. You know, giving a quote to a book because they like the philosophy or the recipes. And I came upon Drew Ramsey, who is a doctor, and refers to himself as a nutritional psychiatrist. He's a true MD.
4: He is. What does he mean? He's fascinated by the connection between your brain health and the food that you eat. He is actually also from Indiana. He kind of splits his time now between Indiana and New York City. But he has several cookbooks out about what types of food is best for your brain health and how psychology Mm -hmm. and nutrition are related.
2: Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. We're talking with Sonia. Overheiser, and she is co-author with her husband, Alex, of this book called Pretty Simple Cooking. These are vegetarian recipes, and the idea is to fall in love, that's the goal, with real food. And we're going to go now to this apple cherry cardamom crumble. I'm someone who has cardamom so infrequently that I don't even know if I can tell you I like it. So what, uh-huh. tell it's me about the Christmas
4: about this. cookie spice. Mm, that's,
2: yeah, <laughs> Indian food.
4: Yeah, so cardamom is such a delicious spice. You don't even need to use too much because it has this very warm undertone that sometimes if it's used too much, it might get a little overpowering, but it's in a lot of different Middle Eastern-style dishes, and we brought it in here to have just a little bit of intrigue into a normal apple crisp we have added it with cinnamon. We added just enough of the cardamom to the top of the crumble. And this one is actually gluten-free and dairy-free. So we've wanted to make it something that almost all diets can enjoy we used some coconut oil in the crumble on the top and then we also used instead of just a normal all-purpose flour we used oat flour which you can actually grind yourself in a food processor or blender just throw in your oats and you grind them into a flour
1: Hmm. very cool
2: Isn't that really – I'm so fascinated with this way of eating. And here we are starting to aim toward – I'm sorry for saying it – toward winter. And you start craving hearty foods. And I see that there's something present in these recipes where – it's bridging some kind of gap.
4: This is one of my favorites in the book. It just has really? such a cozy flavor. And it, yeah, the cherry, the tart, ah. the cherry and the apple mm-hmm. and then the cozy spices and then a little bit of topping, be it some coconut whipped cream or creme fraiche, it's just I'm
1: sure the house smells so good when oh, you make it. Oh, yeah.
4: This. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's basically the reason to make it. Just <laughs> <laughs> make your kitchen smell Air
1: amazing. freshener. <laughs>
2: hey, Sonia, let me ask you then, of the recipes in the book— I want to know what recipe you continue to make after testing these so many times. (laughs) Uh, What would you continue to make for your family?
4: That's a great question. We try to keep going through all of these recipes in the book, but our baked goat cheese appetizer, so it's goat cheese baked in a tomato sauce. Our family and friends go crazy for it, so we're always making that one. We make our chipotle tortilla black bean soup a lot. It's really easy, comes together very quickly, and it uses adobo sauce from a can Mm. of chipotle peppers, and it brings in this really savory, almost meaty quality again, but it does not taste like you've made it in 30 minutes. Another one I would call out in the dinner category everyone seems to really love is our red lentil coconut curry. This one surprised me because it's not, you know, one of those... Tall grilled cheese sandwiches that everyone goes crazy over. It's a red lentil curry, it's full of flavor. And it has this cilantro chutney that has cilantro, raisins, and some white wine vinegar, olive oil. And it's this sparkling, vibrant green sauce spread over everything. People go crazy over it. It's gluten-free and vegan, but you would never know it.
2: Always interesting to hear what the author likes best and would cook again and again. That's, there's always a tip in that. Take care, Sonia. Thank you
4: for so right. You're
2: pleasure. welcome. Us too. Sonia and Alex Overheiser are authors of Pretty Simple Cooking, 100 Vegetarian Recipes. We are on Connecticut Public Radio Thursdays at 3 and 9 p.m. and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, I hope you listen to my 60-second food schmoozes. Never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton.